and it's from John chapter 3, and I'll start at verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Well, it's an amazing conversation. It's an amazing story. And um, I want to just think about that tonight. First of all, I want to tell you about something that slightly embarrassing happened to me relatively recently. Uh, I was driving down a motorway, and I suddenly thought, oh, my goodness, I need to go to the loo. And uh, I, I looked at the sign, and it said, you know, the next service station was in about 35 miles. You know, you think, oh, great. So I'm driving along, driving along, finally get to the service station, running through the door. You know what they're like, masses of people, Starbucks, Costas, you know, blah, 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 blah. Run into the loo, and I could only find cubicles. I go into the cubicle, and uh, to my horror, I suddenly hear the sound of two women's voices come in. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my goodness, yikes, I've gone into the ladies' loo. And I'm thinking, how am I going to explain this to the bishop when I get arrested or something? <laughs> and I don't know what you do, but I'm, I'm panicking. It sounds funny, but I'm actually feeling really, really frightened at this point, quite embarrassed. I think, well, I've got three options. The first thing I could do is basically just run out, cover my face and just run out really fast and hope no one would see. Uh, the second thing I thought I could do was um, maybe go out quite strong and confident, you know, and come out. I'm so sorry. Uh, I thought this was the men's loo. I'm really sorry. Forgive me. Excuse me. Um, or the third thing I thought I could do, just stay in there and, and wait till there's no one in there and then get out of there really fast when there's no one in. So who's going for one? Who's going for the run out? Cover your face straight out. There's only one of you. Well, it's actually two of you. Who's going for the, who's going for the, the, the confident, 
let's just slowly walk out. I've made a mistake. I'm really that's interesting. Uh, that's most of you. He's going for the number three uh, of, uh, of, of basically. That's also lots of you. I went for the number three. I thought I'm just too embarrassed. So, and anyway, it was it was only 40 minutes um, until <laughs> until I could get out. And I'm thinking I just shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. I'll tell you that story because Nicodemus shouldn't really be having this conversation with Jesus. He shouldn't be there. And uh, in Jesus' time, there were two groups of leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. We've heard that he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And basically, uh, the Pharisees um, really focused on the Old Testament law. They believed the Old Testament was the word of God. And they thought that if you wanted to connect with God, um, have a relationship with God, the way to do that was uh, by perfectly following the law of God, and there were several laws of God, and that was what they thought. That's what Nicodemus believed, and uh, basically Jesus had been challenging that view. He'd been challenging the Pharisees and saying, "You know, you're you're actually really over strict in your observance of the law. You're putting weights on people, and uh, you know you're pretending to honor honor God, but your hearts are far from God." And what's worse is you're making out that that spiritual life is found in laws and rules, and it's terrible, and you're burdening the people. So Nicodemus comes to uh, Jesus, you'll notice, at night. He doesn't want to be seen by his fellow Pharisees because he'll get into uh, trouble. And it reminds me of some friends of mine in their early 20s. They did that crazy thing that you do when you're young. They decided to smuggle Bibles into Afghanistan. And uh, so they filled some bags with Bibles, just hand luggage and suitcases. They went to Afghanistan. They crossed a few borders illegally. And uh, they eventually get into quite a dangerous area of Afghanistan. And uh, they're thinking, yikes, it's a a man and a woman. And uh, it's obviously very uh, risky for both of them, but especially the woman. And to their horror, they were picked up by the Taliban, um, who became ISIS, obviously. And uh, basically, the, the, the head of security of the Taliban for that area wanted to see them. And so uh, they, he, they pulled him into a room, them into the room. There's all the sort of former Mujahideen fighters with their rifles and all the rest of it. And they both think they're going to die. They both think they're going to get executed. This head of security, though, says to all his soldiers, uh, could you please just uh, leave the room? They all leave the room. And he's left there with these two friends of mine. And uh, he said, I hear you have been actually giving people Bibles. And they said, yeah, we have actually. And he said, um, could I have one, please? <laughs> and uh, they gave him one and uh, said, when he got it, this guy said, apparently, his eyes filled with tears. And he said, I've been waiting for a copy of this book all my life. Then he called his soldiers back in and said, just take them back to where you pick them up and don't harm them. I don't want any harm to come to them at all. So there's this sense of he was risking his life doing that, this head of the Taliban. If his fellow uh, uh, Taliban people have heard about that, they would have, um, you know, told on him. He probably would have got into difficulty. So what I'm saying is uh, Nicodemus shouldn't have been here. He comes at night And basically, he approaches Jesus. And he approaches Jesus because he's recognized that Jesus is phenomenally powerful. I don't know what you make of Jesus. 
but actually, he's phenomenally uh, powerful. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And basically, he asks Jesus lots of questions. And uh, they have this conversation around uh, how you enter the kingdom of God. And there's a lot of confusion. Nicodemus uh, isn't thick. Some people think he's thick. They think, you know, oh, Nicodemus, do you really think Jesus is saying you've got to be born again, literally, of your mother as an old man? Actually, Nicodemus is doing a common rabbinical uh, approach to theological conversations whereby you go to the furthest point of reasonableness, all unreasonableness. He says to Jesus, you, surely you're not saying, surely you're not saying I have to sort of be naturally born again. And then Jesus says no, and then they have this conversation, and then uh, it's a rabbinical device for honing in on really what someone is actually saying. And Jesus, you've heard, he says you've got to be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear it sound, you cannot tell where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. But the point is, we could spend weeks looking at this, the point is, uh, if you're to enter the kingdom of God, something absolutely, fundamentally radical has to happen. It's like a new birth. It's like this whole new start. And if you've ever been uh, in a labor suite or you've ever delivered uh, a baby, you know, that's a radical, profound thing. Why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because basically uh, Tracy and Gus have done a Nicodemus. They've basically approached Jesus like him. They've actually, uh, we've heard their stories, encountered him, They've basically asked him lots of questions. They've been studying the Bible. They've had great people around them who've helped them. And also they've recognized his power. And so uh, this is what they've done tonight. They're one of the many who have approached Jesus. I don't know what your story is, but I uh, haven't always been a Christian. I used to um, uh, have very little time for the church. And then someone gave me a book. It was called The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. And uh, in the book, I read this in my early 20s, this guy said, look, as human beings, we have many dimensions to human life. One is physical, uh, one is intellectual, one is emotional, one is social, and actually, we're also spiritual beings. And uh, we need to explore our spirituality if we're to live life to the full and uh, find all that we can in life. And that set me on a spiritual path. And to be honest, I didn't turn to the church first. I looked at Buddhism. I got into the New Age. I got into all sorts uh, of stuff. Uh, uh, You know, crystal healing, um, funny massage stuff, um, drumming. uh, uh, And also, you know, my biggest memory of this sort of crazy time was someone burning sage uh, and then brushing me down with the feathers of golden eagles. Uh, It was absolutely fantastic. Um, (laughs) And then I was working as a lawyer at the time, and some friends of mine were lawyers, Christian lawyers. I thought, that's got to be wrong. That can't be right, but they they were Christian lawyers. And uh, they invited me to their church, and basically on the first night, someone stood up and said, you know, did you know there's evidence for the existence of Jesus Christ, and there's evidence for... uh, his resurrection from death back to life. And apparently a whole host of lawyers in the last 30, 40, 50 years have tried to 
disprove the resurrection of Jesus, and all 10 of them actually have come to faith in Christ, having looked at the evidence. So, um, you know, like these two tonight, I've approached Jesus, I've asked lots of questions, I've been struck by his power. Now, what would happen, what does happen, I want to ask, when we approach Jesus? Now, uh, on Friday, I had lunch with my uh, oldest friend, my long-standing friend. I met this girl called Charlie when I was about 14 in an English class at school, and we've been close friends ever since. And so I said, hey, let's, let's, I haven't seen you for a while. Let's just get together. She said, let's go to the Tate Modern. <laughs> There's a great Picasso exhibition on. I thought, okay. And so we went, we went there, as you do. And uh, so we're sitting in the Tate Modern Cafe, and... Um, it, 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 was a, it, was a, it was a fun time. She starts nudging me. Mike, 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 Mike. I'm like, what? What? She's like, shh, shh, shh. Two o'clock, two o'clock. I'm like, what? What? She's it's 10 o'clock, two o'clock. And uh, we just had Jude Law sitting next to us here. If you don't know Jude, Jude Law, he's a, he's a famous Hollywood actor. And uh, she's had a crush on him for about 30 years, as far as I could tell. And so we have this whole, should we talk to him, shan't we, shan't we? Now, who would talk to him? Few of you would. Who wouldn't talk to him? Look, all the women would talk to him, all the men wouldn't. It's quite, it's quite funny, that, isn't it? It's really obvious. About that wasn't a trick, by the way. We weren't too sure whether to approach him. We decided not to. I'm like, Charlie, just give him a break. He's just trying to have a lunch with one of his friends, for goodness sake. It must be a nightmare being famous. Uh, so we didn't approach him. But what happens when you approach Jesus? Uh, what happens is, the first thing is, you're met with great love. And uh, God is love, and he delights in you, and he wants to be in relationship with you. I say that because as I was exploring Christianity, I kind of assumed God was out to get me. He kind of was on a cloud somewhere in the nighty with a big beard and maybe a double-barrel double shotgun or a, a checklist, uh, like a school report or... Uh, whatever. And my life was a mess. It still is quite a mess, but it was a real mess back then. And uh, I was thinking, gosh, you know, I, 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 it's going to be terrible. But you need to know that God loves you, that God welcomes you. And uh, he's very, very approachable. He'll welcome anyone. He actually wants all people to come to him. He didn't say to Nicodemus, oh, gosh, not you. No, thanks. Or I'm busy. Uh, he he actually has a great conversation with him. So you need to know, if you're thinking about this, that you're met with love, you'll be welcomed uh, no matter what. And often one of the great tragedies, I speak to so many people out and about who, who feel unworthy of God. And, uh, you know, I spoke to, I, I told people this morning, I, I spoke to a former bank robber who was exploring Christianity. And uh, we, we had a few conversations. And I, he said, my thing is, you don't know what I've done. I, I've been very, very violent. And I've done lots of wrong in my life. And God would never want me. I said, he would want you. He, he loves all people. He welcomes all people. But he just couldn't accept the fact that God would actually uh, want to uh, love him or be in relationship with him. So you'll be met with love, you'll be offered genuine friendship. At the heart of Christianity, you see, is a, is a, is a personal relationship with God that's profound, it's deep, it's real, and uh, it's extraordinary. And uh, Nicodemus didn't understand that. He thought God was about law and rules and perfect behavior and striving, striving and straining. 
and kind of if you want to get up to God, you've got to climb up a ladder, be really, really good, uh, be really, really this, be really, really that. And eventually, if you're really good enough and try really, really hard and don't do X, Y, Z and A, B, C, D and E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, you might eventually reach God. But this isn't what Christianity is about. What happens, actually, uh, is that God... Uh, in the form of Jesus, climbs down to humanity, down the ladder, into where we are. He meets us where we are. He met me where I was. He met Nicodemus where he was. He's met these guys where they are. And actually, he offers his love, his life, and relationship. And he offers us not just friendship, but forgiveness. Because actually, none of us are perfect and uh, our imperfections, as Jane has already alluded to, separate us from God. And uh, God hates being separated from you and me and all of us and everyone he's created. So what does he do? He actually goes to the cross. The Pharisees are partly responsible for sending him to the cross. And basically, he dies in our place and takes all of the weight, the penalty of our wrongdoing onto himself. And uh, it crushes him, it kills him. Uh, and actually then God raises him from death back to life. Uh, and so he's alive today, which is why we can have a relationship with him. But it means actually being a Christian is about relationship, not rules, not trying to be good, not about performance, not about this, not about that. It's actually about Jesus, that's what it's about, who's come to rub sin out, not rub it in. And uh, it, uh, it grieves my heart when I hear Christians uh, express degrees of guilt or like I'm a failure or this isn't going well or I'm a lousy this. It's a misunderstanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ because there is therefore, as a result of what Jesus has done on the cross, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So you're offered love, friendship, forgiveness, grace, and that, of course, leads to deep transformation and eternal life that starts today. It starts the day you respond to Jesus Christ, and uh, his grace mends your life. His grace reshapes your life. His grace refashions your life. His grace restores your life. His great his grace um, expands your crushed spirit and he puts you back the right way up and works uh, over the days, over the months, over the years to restore you, to champion you, to love you and uh, bring great restoration to you. This is why Christianity is called good news. It's good news. <laughs>